How you guys doing? Good. Well, we have a special treat this morning. They're going to make their way up um, and get sit. They're also trying to determine who gets the chair that doesn't have the leg rest on it. Looks like Troy drew a short straw on that one. Troy is the most self-sacrificing. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Well, uh, this morning, we're going to talk about a few different uh, spiritual disciplines, worship, self-examination, and also surrender. And I'm going to introduce our panel here in a little bit, but I want to just kind of redirect us and reground us to what we're doing as a church within this series, um, talking about uh, these spiritual disciplines. And so, so far in the, in, the, in, the, in the life of our church, we've gone through a couple of different uh, disciplines, but I want to go to the discipline that we've been kind of carrying through, and that's this, that spiritual disciplines are any self-imposed habit or practice that assist us in focusing on Christ. We know that uh, transformation happens through Jesus, right? Jesus is the initiator of our faith, but we need to also continue on in some spiritual disciplines so that we are continually transformed um, by the Holy Spirit and with with God. There was this quote from a book um, that I read recently, and I shared it a few weeks ago by Donald S. Whitney, and it says this, that God has given us the spiritual disciplines as a means of receiving his grace and growing in godliness. By them, we place ourselves before God for him to work in us. These disciplines, it's not about becoming great and mighty and like attaining to this perfection. It's really about submitting ourselves to the lordship of who God is and allowing him to transform us um, through his grace and his good gifts. So again, spiritual disciplines are the self-imposed habits or practices that assist us in focusing on Christ. And so here's a quick list of what we have covered so far in the last few weeks of spiritual disciplines, uh, Bible reading, spiritual journaling, humility, stewardship, serving, solitude and rest, spiritual friendships, and accountability. Well, this morning, like I said before, um, we're going to cover three other spiritual disciplines, and they're all going to go basically from the heart of worship, and so I have our worship leaders up here as well. And so I want to just do a quick introduction um, for this. Uh, and so this is Troy Audette. How you doing, Troy? I don't know. I'm doing good. <laughs> You're trying to find, find your face. If you want, you can totally take your face mask off if you want. Yeah, yeah. So we can see your, yeah, we can see your beautiful face and stuff. Karen Triplett and then Chad Hogan. Um, a little kind of, I guess, unknown fact is all four of us actually have our teaching degrees. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, and we all worship leaders, and we all love Jesus, so we're basically like a part of a cult, I guess, you know, so yeah, um, but why don't we just go down really, really quick, and we'll start with Chad, and just tell us uh, where you work at, what you do, and then we'll go down the line to Troy, and then we'll start in our conversation about worship and spiritual disciplines, so Chad, tell us what you do. I'm a fifth grade teacher at Windsor Elementary in the Cheney School District. Um, I'm a campus missionary with Chi Alpha at Eastern Washington University. I'm a sixth grade teacher at Cheney Middle School here in town and also am um, the youth director here for AMP. Yeah, it's awesome. What I, what I love about um, this panel right here, these are our worship leaders. They lead us a lot. And if you've been here for a number of years, uh, you probably have known Chad, Karen, and Troy. And actually, 
How long have you guys been a part of Cheney Faith? Just go down the I'm just kind of curious because I think I know, but I want you to share how long you've been a part of uh, uh, CSC. Seven or eight. I think it's eight years. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Karen? Well, I was going to say almost 10, but I thought you were here when I came. So <laughs> <laughs> this is my 10th year in Cheney. So. <laughs> <laughs> I get to win. I get to win. Um, so I've been coming to CFC since 2002, been a part of worship team and leading worship team since 2007. So 14? Yeah. 14 wow. Years. That's awesome. So almost a time that Mark and Kate came. As the, yeah. <laughs> as the, I, know. I know I was here in 2011. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you guys know Chad, Karen, or Troy, and I, I feel like I have the privilege of knowing them as friends, and we hang out and we do things, and they are literally the most humble, um, self-sacrificing people that I know, and their heart for Jesus and for others is just so evident in all they do. And um, so I'm really excited just to hear from them. Um, just give some wisdom and give some direction on some spiritual disciplines. And so this is going to be a special treat this morning. So um, thanks for tuning in at home and for us here in the in-person. This is going to be good stuff. So we're talking about worship. We're talking about um, self-examination. We're talking about surrender. And so worship, really quick, I want to just do a, a, a definition that I think plays well into our definition of spiritual um, practices as well. And that is worship is focusing on and responding to God. If we go back to our spiritual uh, disciplines definition, it's about focusing on God. It's about putting Him at the center. And so worship is also focusing on and responding to God. So Karen, why don't you give us some biblical direction of what worship is and how this discipline should play out in the life of a believer? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to just start with scripture because the first verse that comes to mind for me is Romans 12.1. I think it'll be up there on the screen. <clears throat> it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And um, I've learned long ago, every time you see a therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. So tidbit, if you didn't know that when you're reading your Bible, um, really, it, we have the previous 11 chapters in the book of Romans, but um, I just want to back up to the first, the four verses right before that. Um, in your Bible, it might be called the doxology, <clears throat> Romans 11, 33 through 36. So right before we see this worship verse, we see Paul saying, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. He says, therefore, let us offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, as our proper worship. So worship doesn't begin with us. It's always a response to the truth, which is part of Cooper's definition that he said, focusing on and responding to God. So it flows out of an understanding of who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. So in his book, True Worship, um, this author, Von Roberts, he writes, it is God's truth in the Bible that fuels my worship of him throughout the week. And I love that, like as an encouragement, but maybe also as a challenge, like how much of God's truth am I taking in that can fuel my worship throughout the week? Because when we aren't fueling our minds with Christ, when we're not focusing on him, we aren't really likely to be responding to him in worship. The closer we grow to God, the more deeply we can worship him. 
And I've even like experienced that like Sunday to Sunday, even in our times of worship, specifically on Sunday mornings, like maybe I haven't had as much of God's truth to fuel my worship of him. And it just feels like a little bit flat on that morning. But that's that's on me, not on God. Um, but the problem with living sacrifice, right, they can they can crawl off the altar. It's got to be this like continual day to day thing. Um, so how does this play out in our lives? Some of you might be like, yeah, OK, worship. But when I leave the church building, what does it actually look like? And I would say, simply put, we serve others and God. Um, to unpack that a little bit, there's a Greek word used like latreia or latruo. I'm not going to say those totally right. But that's translated as worship in the Bible. But it really means like to serve or service. So this word that was associated with sacrifices in the Old Testament, like in Moses and Levitical law, like animal sacrifices that thankfully we don't have to do anymore as part of our worship, right? Paul like redefines that when he uses it in Romans 12.1. Like our bodies are now the living sacrifice to mean like it's this daily sacrificial living as worship. So for some examples of daily worship, I just wanted to look at Hebrews really quick. Um, Hebrews 12, 28, and I'll just read this. It says, therefore, another therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So this is how we worship God acceptably, starting at 13. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters is how we worship God. Like, that's what we see. Even when you don't want to love and serve others, <laughs> that's when it's a sacrifice, right? That's when our, it's our true and proper worship. And even this, this week, I was thinking in our, in our Bible reading at the end of 2 Samuel in chapter 24, verse 24, David actually says, like, I won't sacrifice to my Lord burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Yeah. Like, I need to pay for what I'm going to sacrifice. And so it's, it's going to cost us to live out this worship in our daily life to serve others, um, to show hospitality to strangers. That's serving God in worship. And to um, I'll just continue to remember those in prison and those who are mistreated mm -hmm. as if you yourselves were suffering. And I think those words just pre speak for themselves pretty loud in our society and culture right now. Um, and all of these acts of service are worship, and that's just part of how we offer our bodies as living sacrifices in the day-to-day. -day. Of course, in addition to kind of our time we dedicate to singing worship on Sunday mornings. Awesome. Home run. Home run. I think we can all go home now. Yep. That, was, that was the message. You guys are off the hook. <laughs> Chad or Troy, do you have anything to just kind of add on to that, um, onto those thoughts as well about worship? I'm following that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I give my dad credit for this um, a quote that I usually have, although sometimes when I've said it around him, he goes, I don't remember saying that. Uh, so sometimes I can blame him. Sometimes I give him credit. <laughs> but the only two things I really control in my life are my attitude and my effort. And both of those things I remind my students of every day, hey, attitude and effort, check your attitude, check your effort. And when it comes to worshiping, those are the two things that if I, if I really do see that I have control of those things, then I have to choose daily and often how my attitude and effort will affect others. I used to think I needed to go on a mission trip, 
I needed to be a pastor. I needed to do all these kind of grand, more grand things than just living life and working a job to show that I was witnessing Jesus. And still sometimes I think I need to use words way more than I do, but my actions are what speak so much louder. And uh, so I would say sometimes I have to write things down, uh, but if I keep an attitude that's grateful, it's contagious. And that keeps me at times from joining in with complaining, mm -hmm. you know, against the procedure or something at work that I don't, that I don't appreciate. And we're now moving into having students coming back in person, and there's been plenty I could complain about. But really, if I'm grateful, I remind myself, thank you, Lord, for the job that I have, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm not struggling to find employment because my job mm -hmm. is dried up or something like that. And it does cause me to refocus and make sure that, okay, mm -hmm. my, I'm making sure that my comments come out of my mouth. My attitude towards people isn't one of mm -hmm. grumbling. It's, it's of controlling my attitude and effort. And, yeah. In doing so, it may be the long route um, to witnessing for Christ, but I've worked plenty of summer jobs in teaching, and I overheard somebody one time, one of my coworkers, when it was doing maintenance, and so I'm coming around the corner of our uh, entrance to our work building, and there was a new guy that got brought on, and he goes, what's with that other guy? I've never heard him curse in the three days that I've been here. And um, he said, well, he's, I think he's religious or something. They didn't know anything uh, about me necessarily, and I was a new guy too because I'd come on for the summer. But in three days of just not doing something, they knew something was different. Mm -hmm. It wasn't me going, I don't curse, so please don't curse around me. I didn't say anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just not cursing. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Well, you're, you're kind of answering my next question, but, but how does that integrate um, worship, the practice of worship, into your everyday life as a teacher? husband, father, grandfather, like all of those roles that you play, how do you integrate worship into that? Well, those things definitely dovetail into it. I really do believe those are the biggest things, their attitude and effort. Um, and I'm going to preface anything because lots of you know me, and if my wife's watching or even my grown daughters, uh, Philippians 1.6 says that God will continue to perfect me until Jesus Christ <laughs> comes back. And I was telling uh, Mark that I'm grateful for that because it's kind of an in and an out. It gives me an out at times that I can say, well, I'm not perfect yet <laughs> when I make a mistake. But it definitely gives me an in when I say, I'm really trying to work on this. This is, <laughs> this is something that God is working on in me, but I have, I think I have the lion's share in it. I mean, he's perfecting me, but again, if I'm saying to you, and you guys can hold me accountable for this, that my attitude and effort are things I can control, then I have the lion's share of that. Mm -hmm. um, I would say in the Bible, there definitely, you could list quite a few verses, but Ephesians 4.29 says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edifying and according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So edifying or edification is building somebody up and not tearing somebody down. And pretty much any time you join in naysaying or I don't like this, you can just take the word edification right off the table. And since God's word, which I do try and filter my life through it, says use edifying words, that is a tough one. I know uh, those are things in my parenting because you asked about parenting, your job. If there were things I could go back and do better, it would be to give more compliments to my kids. And my kids, my youngest one is going to be 26, and my oldest one's 31. And uh, I, I can blame my dad for this one, too, or give him credit, <laughs> that you shouldn't get accolades or pats on the back or attaboys mm -hmm. for doing things that you're expected to do. And because I let that pervade and invade my mind sometimes, I could have given more compliments to my, my daughters for mm -hmm. 
just being who they are. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, First Timothy says, keep a close watch on how you live and your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and to the, for the salvation of those who hear you. So what you teach and what you speak, there may be people around you who don't know Jesus Christ, but if you read this verse, it says, for the sake of their salvation as well. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to impede that, get in the way of it, be an obstacle yeah. to it. And those are easy things I can do as just a walking, breathing human who's following Christ. I don't have to go on a mission trip to do that. I don't have to pay thousands of dollars to join this cause or anything else. I just have to keep my words true, my attitude and effort at a high level, and then make sure that I'm building people up. Mm. Now, again, that is easier said than done. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are the main ways. That's good. Yeah. What, what I love so far, maybe you guys have noticed, too, in the two responses is worship is not about you got to know how to play this instrument and sing this note or do this. Yes, that's part of it, but what we're seeing, it's, it's a lifestyle of surrender. And it's a lifestyle of really building up the body of Christ and, and being an example and truly, like you said, Karen, being that living sacrifice. Um, it, that's huge. So that's, that's good stuff. Um, Troy, um, you lead worship a lot for, for Thursday nights at AMP. You lead sometimes here on Sunday. And I think what I love truly about you is you're a feeler. Like you just feel things. And I think it's a gift that the Lord has given you. And um, what does the act of worship as a spiritual discipline um, do for you, but also what would you do to encourage someone who's maybe like a little dry? They're just kind of like, like, I'm not feeling it tonight or whatever and stuff. And a lot of times we have students that are coming, they're just on their cell phones, like, I don't care about what you mean, whatever. But like, like what, what would you do to encourage people just to like get into it, you know? Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for calling me out for being an emotional dude. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> that's all I heard, so could you restate your question? Um, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I appreciate you. You are affirmed. You're loved. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so as you mentioned, um, my role for leading worship here at CFC has been, um, I think the majority of it's played out on Thursday nights. Mm -hmm. um, it's been not every Thursday night, but a, a majority of Thursday nights for the last 14 years, which mm has -hmm. um, been something that I've truly felt honored to do. Um, I, this group sitting up here right now has been um, has been one of my, I, I mean, honey at home and kids, please don't take this the wrong way, but this has been one of my greatest joys, I mean, mm -hmm. and one of my biggest honors to be able to play worship with you guys here and, and to do that has been huge. Um, so I think if we're talking about worship through music, which mm -hmm. I think is the yeah. avenue that I'm going to preface this with, um, honestly, it centers me. Um, I think that that's a good way to kind of um, start this off with. It just centers me. Worship Through Music has always um, had a way of helping me um, see and kind of understand my life. Um, it also helps me filter out the noise of the world, which I think is really important. Um, in worship, um, I can focus on the beauty of um, who Christ is and the blessings that he has given to me. And I think that, that is, that's really important, and that's what kind of continues me mm -hmm. in, the, in the act of worship. Um, and more than any other discipline, when I pick up my guitar, it becomes about just me and God. And I think that we, I know we just said we're not talking about instruments and mm -hmm. which ones you play or whatnot, but there's something, for some of you, you're writers, you pick up a pen and it's about that. For some of you, you're readers, I'm not a reader. Um, you pick up the Bible and it becomes about that for you. For me, it's about picking up my guitar. And in that moment, I think that's um, when it becomes just about um, me and him. And um, as mentioned, that carries a lot of emotion for me. 
and I am an emotional guy, and music um, is a way that I feel like I can express that motion. And so um, I think that that is a big piece. I find Jesus and myself in the heart of a song, um, and I think that that is huge for me at least. Um, I find that I can express myself through that. So that's, mm-hmm. that's big. So that's me personally. It's, it's that direct connection that I feel like that mm-hmm. I feel with the Lord. And all of us have those direct connection, connections through maybe different disciplines or maybe the same one. And so that's what's really cool about our relationship with the Lord is that we are all different people and we come together in different ways. And, and that's super neat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as corporate worship is concerned, I get so excited about this um, because corporate worship, I believe, is just a glimmer of what heaven is going to be like. Yeah. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I get so excited. I literally have goosebumps just even making <laughs> that thought come You're out a feeler, man. Um, because I'm a feeler. Yeah. <laughs> emotional dude um so like just the idea of what heaven is going to be like and 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 all of us um around just worshiping jesus and Mm -hmm. it's just such a great thought for me so in in the midst of corporate worship whether it's with the youth here or whether it's with um the whole church body um what a blessing that is to get to see a little bit of what um our future holds um i also know that worship uh, helps me connect with and and work through things, and so it's a it's an honor for me to get to um, help others connect mm-hmm. and work through those things as well, and just to see that and to see people processing, to see people healing or grieving or being filled with joy or whatever those things mm-hmm. are. I think that that is. Um, that's that's an important part of worship, at least mm-hmm. t- to me, and so I think that that's, I think that's why I enjoy worship so much. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as far as the dry spells are concerned, mm-hmm. um, that's a great question. And, and I want you to know that if you are in the midst of a dry spell, know that you're not alone. Um, it is, it's human nature to do that. I don't know um, how much we think about dry spells or not, but it's like the number one goal of our enemy is to get us to be lukewarm, right? And so um, if, if we're in the midst of a dry spell, that's, that's typically that, that plane of being lukewarm, or at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I love, Chad, your verse that you shared with us earlier, because as I'm preaching on Thursdays with our students and stuff, I always say that um, the message is probably more for me than it is for them, you know? <laughs> um, and so as we think about these things and think about corporate worship or just individual worship or dry spells, um, know that this is just as much for all of us up here as it is for everybody else and for those of you at home that might be watching or whatever that might be. Um, I think the first thing um, that we really need to think about in a dry spell is, um, I guess, well, we're going to talk about later, self-examination, mm-hmm. but, but where, where are you at? And when I've found myself in a dry spell, it's typically because I focused more on the world mm-hmm. or my relationship with Jesus has become clinical. Um, so as we mentioned, the youth pastor here at AMP, and so a lot of my time in the Bible, a lot of my time in worship is prepping. And so I find myself, this is one of my, my own sins that I have to work through, is that things can become very clinical very quickly for me. And when that happens, um, the, the relation piece lacks. And so I think um, for, for me, at least for a dry spell situation, really have to look at yourself and what, what's going on. Um, have you focused more on the world lately? Has your relationship with Jesus been mm-hmm. become more clinical? Um, and then when we think about things um, in that regard, um, I, th- I think it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't really matter if I'm in that moment, 
It doesn't matter how much I pick up my Bible. It doesn't matter how much I, how many extra prayers I throw out through the day or, or how hard I play that G chord or whatever it is, you know, like um, that I'm, I'm in that moment. And so I have to really step back. What I've found for me in my relationship with the Lord that's helped in dry moments is to really step back and to give Jesus time and to be in awe of his awesome creation. And so one of the things that I love to do is I love to get on my bike and I love to go ride out through Turnbull, ride the Fish Lake trails and just see his beauty. Um, see the streams, see the, um, we drove, or we drove, we rode by, um, we rode by um, a moose last year, which was like from me to Pastor Mark away, which was like crazy to think that, you know, it was on the other side of the fence and in between a tree and I rode really fast. So it was fine. But in that moment, I was like, God, you're so good and and the sun sets and the sun rises and and the mountains and and those kind of things are really key for me and and kind of harnessing the 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 harmful effects of a dry Mm -hmm. spell um going home and and stepping back from a situation and listening to my kids laugh um feeling the way that my wife tells me that she loves me like knowing that god is so good and he's blessed me so richly like those kind of things will help me get out of a dry spell, but it all goes back to the park bench theory, right? You have to take time to just sit and listen and soak and be in the moment. And, and for me, those are the things that help work through a dry spell. And when I can, when I can think about how good the sun feels on my face and how amazing um, our Lord is for creating that, now all of a sudden when I open my Bible or when I pick up my guitar, those those words, those lyrics, those chords, they come alive. Yeah. And so that's what worship that's is good. for me, yeah. What I love in your response, too, is there's other spiritual disciplines that are happening in that time of recognizing that I'm in a dry spell and having some solitude and rest to be with Jesus and kind of recentering yourself. I love that. It's, it's, it's incorporation of all the things. Well, we're going to move on, and we're going to go kind of a little bit quicker through the next couple of things. Um, we love to talk, and it's good. It's great. You gave me a mic. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, always, we always joke around that, that Mark and Troy have the same disease, and that's you tell them, you tell them two minutes, and then ten minutes later, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, we're, we're if gonna, I have to be in Mark's company, I feel like I'm doing all right. Yeah, right? yeah. amen, amen. <laughs> we're going to talk about surrender as another spiritual discipline um, within the Christian life. And I think sometimes that could sound like a negative term, like I surrender, like you're weak and all that stuff. Um, it's not. It's something good that we should practice. But Chad, why don't you just kind of quickly um, give us some, maybe some scripture or what does scripture call us to do when it comes to surrender and what does that look like? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I have some life verses, and if it's a life verse for me, then I committed it to memory, and mainly so I don't have to think about the words so much or put back into my mind, how, how did he order, mm-hmm. how was this verse ordered? I can be more fluent with it, and James 4, 7, and 8 is probably, that's probably the two verses that I attribute to surrender most often and probably quote, I think I quote it at least daily. Um, so submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And then draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Mm-hmm. And those two verses for me, the, the beginning of it is the word submit. And our culture, the word submit is not a popular word. Uh, in fact, if you, if you hear it in a wedding, usually people are talking to you. He just say submit, that one has to submit to the other. And most often, if we heard the word submit in a wedding, we would think, oh, they're talking about the woman to the man. But it's submission and us submitting to the Lord. And the biggest part about that is me surrendering my will and what I think should be done and how I think it should be ordered my day, my hour, my month, 
my five-year plan going, okay, Lord, you're in charge of this. Mm-hmm. And when I say things are easier said than done, we, all, we realize that we're serving a God that we don't see, we can't lay hands on. Uh, we know he's real because of the word that we hold in our hands, both here and here. But submission is the first step. And sometimes that's daily. Sometimes it's by the minute. But it just reminds me to relinquish my own authority over myself. Mm. And uh, a lot of times I, I have the words I deserve in my head. And thank goodness God doesn't give us what we deserve mm-hmm. because it would be a lot different than what I think I deserve. And any of you have children, you know that. If you've ever interacted with a child, they always think they deserve way more than what their, their <laughs> years are. It's comical. We kind of laugh at it. But we don't laugh at when we think we deserve something. Mm. Because we either attribute our years of experience, our education, our uh, status in life. All those things become what I deserve. And submit is the first part of that. Submit, therefore, to God. Yeah. yeah. I may prefer to complain about a present situation at work. I may prefer to vent to my wife about my mother-in-law or our children or anybody. (laughs) I don't have a father-in-law, so and my mother-in-law lives with us, so I can easily say that because I'm sure she says that about me. (laughs) I'm choosing not to vent about my son-in-law. But again, if I'm submitting to God, then I have to just go, Mm -hmm. ah, okay, Lord. I may have those thoughts in my head, but is is this showing any worship or care for you? Mm -hmm. What's it doing to to my witness for you, to the person I'm around or in front of? And it can destroy it in a few seconds. Um, Definitely not saying I'm perfect in it, but I do believe as we surrender to the Lord, submit has to be the first thing that we do. That's good. And then, Karen, um, how does the Holy Spirit play a role in when it comes to surrender and in worship, um, just in, maybe in our corporate settings and just in our 24-7 lifestyle as well? Yeah, I mean, it plays a role because, like, we, we need the Holy Spirit to worship. Like, like Chad was just saying, it's submitting to Jesus. And in every area of my life, like, I can't just do that out of sheer willpower, <laughs> mm-hmm. or at least not very long. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Um, so it is supernatural because it happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you may have heard the, the phrase like to worship in spirit and truth. That comes from John chapter 4, verses 21 through 24, where Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. And, and she doesn't understand really, like she sees worship as this event that takes time in a specific place, in a specific time. Like some of us might think about a Sunday morning. But we see that the kind of worshiper the Father seeks is those who worship in spirit and in truth. And now worship isn't just a specific time or place because we have the spirit in us all the time. And it's because of what Jesus has done, because of his sacrifice on the cross, that we actually can be in God's presence. And through the power of his spirit is how we actually live that like day in, day out of the sacrifice. Um, and just really quick, when I was kind of thinking about the connection between surrender and worship, um, and the Holy Spirit, I was thinking specifically about Sunday mornings and just this question of like, what do what do I have to give up or surrender um, or submit to in in order to be fully worshiping in spirit and in truth? And um, I didn't know that we were even going to do what we did this morning, but a couple of things that came to mind were like, maybe I need to submit or surrender like my fears about what people might think. Maybe the person mm-hmm. standing next to me, maybe my wife or husband or kids sitting next to me on the couch in our living room. Like, mm-hmm. what if I sing? What if I raise my hands? Like, that's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That might be like, 
giving up my dignity, but like David danced before the Lord in basically his underwear, which I'm not suggesting to you. Maybe when you're at home, I don't know. So, <laughs> um, and one, one other thing that I think I was just like hearing, um, it was actually a video that Francis Chan was speaking this, this week about like this connection between surrender and worship. Like maybe we actually need to surrender um, our doubts or our unbelief. Like, we, we put words up on the screen for all of us to sing. And you might be looking at that and you're like, yeah, does Jesus really reign above it all? Like, look at the world. Like, does he really love me? Like, does he know what I've done? So those are things that I think if we surrender our feelings and we submit to God's truth with the help of the Holy Spirit, then we can, then we can worship more fully. That's awesome. Love that. It's funny that you mentioned the whole if you're at home thing. Somebody texted me today during the live stream was like, hey, I was dancing in my underwear, man. <laughs> like, go, go, go. Love it. I love this church. <laughs> <laughs> they were surrendering. Um, well, I want to I move on to uh, like self-assessment, essentially. And Troy, you are a teacher. You live in kind of the world of assessment. And there's you know, formal and informal and all those things. Um, but what, what do we mean by carrying this out as a spiritual discipline uh, of self-examination or self-assessment? And, and why should we do this as a believer within our uh, daily lives? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to get to that. I also want to point out that out of the three of us sitting over here on this side, Coop, that Karen is the youngest out of us. And you happen to be using paper this morning. And us old guys, we have our tech up here. So um, I just noticed that and thought that was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> Coop said go fast. Uh, sorry. Um, all right. Well, I think the key piece to this, this idea of self-examination is to, first of all, remember, remember the idea of these spiritual disciplines. And, and what are we doing when we're talking about that? And so we're creating these habits in our lives that help draw us in and, and help us um, with our relationship with the Lord become closer to him. Um, and, and I think that that's the, that's the number one thing is to remember that, to remember the understanding of it. When we talk about self-examination, our concept, the whole thing that that is around is um, becoming closer or, or growing closer mm -hmm. with Christ. So that's the first mm -hmm. thing that I think that we need to understand. And then um, I, I love this little verse. It's short. It's in 1 John um, chapter 2. It's verse 6, and it says, uh, this is John sharing in a section that's called uh, Christ our Advocate, which I really like that. Um, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And, and I think that that just, uh, just kind of um, echoes that concept that we're mm -hmm. trying to grow more like Christ mm -hmm. every day. And so understanding the why behind we do, the, the why behind anything we do, mm -hmm. I think is just so important. And, and in fact, I think examination without why, um, the validity of that examination becomes moot. It, it doesn't really matter if we don't know the why behind it. And so understanding that why I think is so huge. Um, see, every day we become either more like Christ or we become less like Christ. And it's, a, it's an everyday battle. At least it is for me. Um, and so when we self-examine, we're asking um, exactly, like, today, am I, am I closer to Christ or am I further away from him? I think that's important. So with that examination, once we've done that, once we've asked, how am I doing with my self-disciplines? How, how am I doing with my life? Uh, what direction am I pointing in? I think that in that moment, we can make a plan for what is right. Um, and, and the important piece of that plan, though, is um, to know what is right um, to know the direction that we should be going in, we, we have to be invested. We have to spend time with the Lord. We have to, we have to 
earnestly seek after those other self-disciplines, mm -hmm. reading our Bible, journaling, prayer, praying, fellowship, um, you know, those kind of things are so important in understanding who, um, who Christ is and, and, and how we can reflect him in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And so in self-examination, I think that we are looking at um, that understanding of are we closer to him or, or are we not? And, and I think that that speaks for itself. So regular self-examination teaches us what we are investing in, Yeah. right? Like um, what matters to us. Um, we've talked about little gods and we've talked about other things. If, if we're being honest with ourselves, it teaches us where we're focusing you know, our attention to. Mm -hmm. And so that regular self-examination um, that unveils a truth whether or not we are becoming more like Christ mm -hmm. or less like him. And, and I think that that's why it's important. That's good. That's good. Um, I, think, I think we're going to end it there on that response, um, not only for time's sake, but I just think you just cap that off good. And I think, again, it's this uh, theme that it's all working together. All the spiritual disciplines work together as we, again, submit ourselves before the Lord and allow his good grace to change us as we focus on him. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, what I want to do, I want to just pray um, just to end our time. And uh, I also want to just share a quick scripture out of our reading from Friday. It was in uh, First Chronicles of all places. I, I like, feel like I never read in Chronicles, but we are there and it's great. And in verse 9 of chapter 28, it says this. This is David like basically blessing his son Solomon going into being the anointed king and all those things. And it says this. My son, learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Whoa, big stuff. Um, but the heart there is to know our God intimately. And that really happens when we have these spiritual disciplines a part of our life 24-7. We start to know the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Yahweh, Jesus, intimately. We truly are transformed from the inside out. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can gather. God, thank you that you give us grace, that you give us your Holy Spirit to actually carry out the things that you have given us. We can't do it in our own effort. We need you on the daily. So Lord Jesus, remind us Help us take a step back, like what, like what was said, just to examine and to assess where we're at so that we can, again, refocus on you and respond to you in spirit and in truth. Lord God, um, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word that we can depend on. And um, bless us as we carry on outward of this building, out of our homes, out of our church time, as we go and worship you 24-7 in whatever context that you have placed us, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause to our amazing panel? Yeah, thank you guys so much for, for being here and doing that. Um, well, with that, oh, <laughs> well, with, with that said, um, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for coming to church. We'll see you next Sunday for baptisms. We're going to have some live baptisms, so please uh, make, a, make sure that you are either coming to in person or you're going to be at home um, tuning in and all that good stuff. So remember, Jesus loves you, and so the rest of us here at CFC. See you later.